Hello and welcome to Random Interesting Facts, the podcast about everything and nothing, with your host, 42. This week's topic is twins. So let's dive right in with fact number one. 40% of twins invent their own language. Now, all siblings do this, but especially twins. And according to researchers, they've been inventing their own languages for as long as we've known. The phenomenon is known as cryptophasia. It comes from the Greek words crypto, meaning secret, and phasia, meaning speech. And many scientists are in two minds about it. At least they're two very similar minds. Because it's often seen as a fascinating window into the origins of human language. But others say it's disruptive to a child's linguistic development. I mean, it's all very well saying your little one can speak. But it's not so useful if only one other person in the world can understand the damn thing. Twins, of course, spend a lot of time together and they're often on the same developmental schedule. Meaning they're much more likely to invent their own language than other siblings, because they have very little incentive to learn to speak their mother tongue. They've always got someone to speak to. To be fair, if I had my own language, I wouldn't be keen on using my mother tongue either. I'd probably spend all day telling solicitors to go shit themselves in Aranese. So yeah, generally twins spend a lot less time speaking to their own parents than normal children, less time speaking to other adults and other kids, because they've always got someone there ready and willing to play with them at a moment's notice in the form of their twin sibling, resulting in much less exposure to real languages. And aren't twins just so cute? I mean, those two little girls in the Shining film are just adorable. Not all cryptophasic children share an entire made-up lexicon. Sometimes they settle for simply intentionally mispronouncing the same words, like I tend to do every day, but not so intentionally. Or they make references that only their twin understands. (laughs) Funnily enough, married couples actually do the exact same thing. They tend to invent or abbreviate words after spending so much damn time together. So much so that their private conversations can be unintelligible to an outsider. As all married people know, sometimes all it takes is one look, and it means you're sleeping on the couch tonight. So, true cryptophasia is rare, but it does exist. Some twins do develop a complete language of their own with quite a wide vocabulary. The weird thing is that every twin language we've observed, and has spontaneously developed, usually develops with the same structure, regardless of their mother tongue. So amazingly, this can give us an insight into the very first languages used by mankind, which we now have no written record of, and how they may have sounded and their structures. For instance, both twins and deaf children tend to order their verbs, subjects, and objects in an atypical manner. 
they often put the most important item in the sentence first, such as food I want now, or movie I'd like to see it. So basically, they become Yoda. Next up, moments from history. Where we look at one particularly odd moment from the past. This week, we explore the time that Abraham Lincoln was a wrestling champion. Yes, that's Abraham Lincoln. You know the one, he was the 16th president of the United States, serving from 1861 until his assassination in 1865. Oh, sorry, I should have called a spoiler alert on that one. He did some pretty cool stuff. I mean, he not only led the country through the American Civil War, he also managed to maintain the Union, abolish slavery, and modernize the US economy. So thanks, Abe, for that multi-trillion dollar debt. Of course, one of Abe's finest moments and most memorable was the Gettysburg Address, which set out his ideas on equal rights, liberty, and democracy. The Gettysburg Address was also where he had his Gettysburg mail delivered to. Get it? Yeah, sorry. He was also responsible for the 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery across the country. But we're not bothered about any of that inspirational, do-gooder nonsense, are we? We're here for one reason only, to talk about his wrestling career. Yes, that's right, he's even been granted a spot in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in Payne County, where he's particularly celebrated for his grappling tactics. So he not only dismantled slavery, he was also pretty good at dismantling people's spinal cords. Now, I know what you're thinking. Abraham Lincoln, the six foot four, as thin and gangly as a cheese wire president, a professional wrestler? I don't think so. Well, he may have had the most unusual wrestling physique you've ever seen, but it's oddly true. His political rivals later poked fun at his soft and slender appearance. One of them rudely said that Abe had none of the quote-unquote features the ladies would call handsome. Oh! We were much better at insulting people back then, weren't they? Nowadays we just call someone an ugly twat, much less eloquent. But beneath those skeletal cheekbones and lanky legs, Lincoln had some serious hidden muscle. Honest Abe Lincoln was born into a poverty-stricken family in a humble log cabin. And so he spent many years doing back-breaking labor as a rail splitter and a farmer in the Kentucky backwoods. And like many manual laborers at the time, Lincoln saw wrestling as the ideal leisure pursuit. Somehow, I don't quite imagine Joe Biden spending his weekends cage fighting. As a wrestler, Lincoln has been described as ambitious, calculated, and even cocky. He was particularly good at a style of wrestling known as catch as catch can, which was synonymous with his hand-to-hand -hand combat and aggressive rush techniques. 
But despite it being a glorified form of bar fighting, you still needed a great deal of technical skill to pin down your opponent. He once beat several opponents in one day, prompting a local store owner to say that Lincoln could outrun, outlift, outwrestle, and outthrow any man in Sangamon County. If he was alive today, he would probably play Call of Duty on the internet, because he did a great deal of trash talking to his opponents whilst he was at it. After winning a match with a single toss, Abe looked into the crowd and challenged anyone who thought they had the balls to take him down. With his big bellowing voice, he said, I'm the big book of this lick. If any of you want to try it, come on and whet your horns. Weirdly enough, nobody took up the challenge. To be fair, if someone approached me and asked me to wet my horn, I'd run a mile. Lincoln's wrestling fame grew during the late 1820s, and he won 299 of his 300 matches. Now, whilst you absorb all that information, we'll take a quick break, and shortly we'll be back with fact number two. Fact number two. Twins can have different birthdays. When Lilia Kanovalova from northern Kazakhstan was 29, she gave birth to twins. Although not at the same time. She was in hospital twice. Once to give birth to her daughter in May, and once 11 weeks later to give birth to her son. My son was in no rush to come out into the world, said Kanovalova. Well, maybe he was just very comfortable in there. Perhaps he even had a womb with a view. Now, how on earth can this be possible? Well, it turns out each of these twin siblings gestated in a separate womb. Now hold on Aaron, last time I checked, a woman only has one womb, and I check often. So please do explain yourself. Well, Canovalova, you see, had what's called a double uterus. It's a condition known as uterus didelphus. Now that might sound like a planetary system from Star Trek, but it's not. It's a surprisingly common condition. One in 2,000 women have it. However, the odds of each baby developing in each one of those wombs at the same time as Canovalova's children did is about 1 in 50 million. But she's certainly not alone in this experience. In 2009, for instance, a woman from Michigan gave birth to twin baby girls and she also had uterus didelphus, and delivered one baby from each side. From each side of her double uterus, that is, not from each side of her body. And then in the UK in 2014, another woman with uterus didelphus gave birth to triplets, two from one side and one from the other. Well, one of those three is going to grow up with an entitlement complex, isn't he? 
But the difference is that the UK and Michigan babies were not born on separate hospital visits, which makes Canovalova's pregnancy even rarer still. But Canovalova's situation is certainly not unique. One of the most publicised accounts was that of twins Katie and Amy Jones Elliott of Waterford Island, who found their way into the Guinness Book of Records after being born 87 days apart. Amy was born after only four months of pregnancy, weighing a pitiful one pound three ounces. Maria was induced again 87 days later and Katie was born. At only £5.10, she was put into her sister's incubator and, according to their mum, Amy immediately smiled. Their chances of survival were slim, but they did, and the doctors said the twins had achieved the medical equivalent of winning the lottery. Fact number three. It's possible for twins to have different dads. That's right, if your mum enjoyed a particularly good time when she was younger, then you and your twin sibling could have two completely different biological fathers. This is known as heteropaternal superfecundation. That's just the most fantastic word, isn't it? Superfecundation. So, yes, you could be a product of superfecundation, and you'll be forever known as mummy's little accidents. The term superfecundation is derived from fecund, meaning the ability to produce offspring. Okay, it's relatively rare in humans, but heteropaternal superfecundation is quite common in dogs, cats, and cows. It happens when females have multiple matings with multiple males in a short space of time often leading to the birth of multiple babies. And it turns out that dogs, cats and cows are randy bastards. Stray dogs can produce litters in which every pup has a different dad. But jumping in a little further, how the hell does heteropaternal superfecundation happen? Well, there's two ways. Firstly, a woman can release two eggs at the same time. Or, secondly, she can release two eggs a few days apart, but within the same reproductive cycle. Ovulation is normally suspended during pregnancy to prevent further over becoming fertilised and to help increase the chances of a full-term pregnancy. But during ovulation, there can be some crossovers because sperm can survive for a few days in the reproductive tract, it can just chill out in the womb for a while and the fallopian tubes. Sperm cells can live inside a female's body for three days. And a female egg can survive for 12 to 48 hours before it starts to disintegrate. Kind of like an avocado. Superfecundation most commonly occurs within hours or days of the first fertilization with eggs that have been released during the same cycle. So yeah, you may have twigged on to what needs to happen here for superfecundation to happen in humans. And uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Um, basically, 
the female has to have sex with one father and then immediately have sex with another just a few hours or no more than a day afterwards. I guess that's two lots of child support, I suppose. But even if your dear mummy did go on a grand tour of Hull's back alleys one Saturday night, when you were delightfully conceived, it is still pretty rare for those two separate men to have both successful swimmers, and then for your mum to have released two separate eggs within those next few days. Nevertheless, it does happen on rare occasions in humans. There was a case back in 1982 when two twins were born with different skin colours, which was found to be a result of heteropaternal superfecundation. But two of the most well-known studies into heteropaternal superfecundation, I know I keep saying that a lot, but it's just the most amazing word, were published in the early 1990s. I mean, come on, there was no internet back then. Scientists had to keep themselves busy by seeing what happens when lots of people have sex with each other. One of these studies claims that one in 400 pairs of twins were a case of superfecundation. But then another study put the figure at 1 in 13,000 cases. So if your goal is to have twins to two separate biological fathers, then you best get started now. Because to better your chances, you need to mate with anywhere between 400 and 13,000 different men. Good luck. But research opportunities are a bit thin on the ground, as these cases only come to light when paternity is questioned and a DNA test is carried out. So there could be a lot more super fecundous twins out there than we're quite aware of. Of course, when these DNA tests are taken, it doesn't always end up so well. In 2019, in another example of being totally busted, a woman found out her twins came from two different fathers, one of whom was her husband, and the other came from a man who she'd been busy having a steamy affair with all of that time. Now, before we finish this episode, I have a bonus fact for you. I simply couldn't do a podcast about twins and not talk about the amazing story of the Jim Twins. Introducing Jim Lewis and Jim Springer. They were born in 1940, and at only three weeks they were adopted by separate families in Ohio. The Lewises of Lima and Springers of Pika. Each family knew their adopted son was a twin, but they thought it was best not to tell them as they grew up, and cut off contact from the other family. Sadly, each boy didn't know he had a sibling, and that's perfectly usual, it happens all the time, but this is where the story starts to get weird. After adopting each child, the Lewises and Springers each decided to call their new child James. And, weirder still, they each gave them the nickname Jim for short. 
Now, despite them growing up only 45 miles from each other, the Jims had no contact for 39 years. That was until 1979, when they were finally reunited. And boy, did they each have a life story to tell the other. The only problem was, it was the exact same story. And I don't mean it was similar, I mean they'd both lived the exact same life. They talked about how, growing up, they were both terrible at spelling, but had a keen interest in maths. They were both married twice, first to women named Linda, and secondly to women named Betty. They both had children. Jim Springer had a boy whom he named James Allen with two L's, and Jim Lewis named his son James Allen with one L. And they both had dogs named Toy. They both drank the same beer, smoked the same cigarettes, and drove the same model of car, Chevrolets. They both had jobs in the security industry. Their medical histories were identical. And they shared the same hobbies, including a woodworking workshop in both of their garages. And they both had vacations on the exact same beach in Florida. How two different men from the same womb, separated at birth with no contact, came to live almost identical lives is pretty amazing. And a scientist, Dr. Thomas Bouchard of the University of Minnesota, felt the same way because he invited the Jim Twins to take part in a study on twin behaviour and development. Bouchard ran various tests to examine their brainwaves, and he found them to be almost identical. He then asked them each to draw a picture, and, incredibly, they both drew the exact same thing. Even though he was unable to find any sort of supernatural link between the two men, many people since, predominantly those who wear tie-dye and shoes made from tree bark, have used the story of the twin gyms as some kind of proof of telepathy. But all the twins had to say on the matter was that they had each always felt an emptiness their entire lives, but they were never sure why, until they were finally reunited. Today, their tale stands as an amazing argument for nature over nurture. But some say they grew up in a similar environment as well, similar towns and similar families, so nurture can't be discounted and certainly played a large part in their likeness. Either way, there has never been a story quite like the Jim Twins. But there have been some strong contenders over the years, such as Thomas Patterson and Stephen Tazumi. These twins, who were separated at birth after being born in a Japanese orphanage, sounds like the beginning of a bad manga, were reunited at the age of 40. Upon meeting, they discovered they both owned bodybuilding gyms and are both completely obsessed with fitness. 
Then there's Daphne Goodship and Barbara Herbert, who, again, first met when they were 40, because apparently that's just the age you meet your identical twin. Can't wait to meet mine. Despite having no contact for 40 years, they discovered their laughs are identical. And they both have the same weird habit of crossing their arms when they laugh. They both had a miscarriage the exact same year. Then they both had two boys and a girl in that exact same order. Furthermore, they both regularly cooked the same meal from the same recipe book on the same day of the week. If I met my long-lost twin brother, I'd be a little annoyed that using the same carbonara recipe was the extent of our similarities, but hey, it's still pretty amazing. Thanks for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Random Interesting Facts. If you have, then please rate and review it. And if you have a random interesting fact that you're just dying to share with me, then you can tweet it at me using the hashtag RiffPodcast. That's hashtag RIFPodcast. Each week, I'll take my favourite fan-submitted fact and shout it out at the end of that episode. Thank you.